Hey everyone, thanks for joining Dan and I today as we go over difficult behaviors. And I just want to give a disclaimer up front. This is not just for foster dads. If you're a parent, if you're a nurse, a teacher, if you have any job or if you do anything where you interact with people, this is going to be helpful for you because let's be honest, everyone has difficult behaviors that we sometimes have to deal with. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to go over a little bit of the book we've been reading, The Connected Child. We're going to go over an acronym called IDEAL, and we'll go over that in a little bit on what that stands for. And then we're going to give you all some specific examples of difficult behaviors that you can better respond to as we go throughout this. So thanks for being here today. We really appreciate it. And this is Flexible Fatherhood. Hey guys, welcome into the podcast. We are so excited to get started with episode five, Difficult Behaviors. You know, as Josh talked about in our intro, um, we're we're starting this book, and Josh is a little bit ahead of me, and I can admit that because he had a little head start. We had COVID last week, and it's just been, it's, you know, I'm not, I'm just not as far along as he is, we'll say. Um, but we are reading The Connected Child, and um, it's really just a book that can help families connect with their children better. You know, it's just a way for them to understand them a little bit better and know exactly kind of like what's going on in their head when they can't really say it. You know, we also talked about this too in last podcast. If you guys need the book or don't have the book, reach out to us, send us an email, a message, whatever, Twitter, Facebook, anything. We will personally get you the book. We'll pay for it and send it out to you whatever you need. We want to make sure that if you guys want to get involved in this and want to read with us, that you can. Josh, I would love for you to just dive in with a little bit of what you read this this past week. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I also want to say that COVID struck the Ballard family as well. And so, yeah, Wednesday... Uh, Emily got it, and then I got it shortly after. It's not been great. I think it's flowed through everybody now in our house, and you know, I, I know you know it's not fun, and absolutely, you know, living it. I'm probably gonna, you're probably gonna see me cough uh, or hear me cough at some point on this podcast, and that's okay. You know what? This is real life. This is who we are. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and jump into the connected child a little bit. There's one specific section that I want to take out, and Dan, I want to talk about this a little bit, and. I know you're going to get here, and uh, this was really interesting to me because as a dad and really seeing any child, right, even before I was a parent, uh, after I was a parent, you see children, uh, you see them acting in different ways, and we're talking about difficult behaviors, so, you know, we may say, see them get aggressive or see them be really irritable or we're just not sure what's going on. Maybe they're being antisocial, and so um, I'm going to go ahead and share a little bit. There's this table in here. And the section of this book is called Fear is a Powerful Driver. And the table describes how a child expresses fear and pain. And again, when we talk about difficult behaviors and everything there, a lot of it is fear-based. You know, there's a spot in your brain that's called the amygdala. That's your fight, flight, or freeze button. And so for, you know, when we talk foster care and we talk children with trauma, uh, a lot of times their their lid is always flipped, right? The amygdala is always being activated. In every situation, if they feel any type of fear or any type of outside threat, they're going to fight, flight, or freeze right away. There's no buffer to that. 
I'm going to go over this chart really quick. So it talks about external behaviors and internal behaviors. For external, we have irritability, antisocial behaviors, anger, rage, and aggression. And for internal behaviors, we have dissociation, withdrawal, crying, sadness, and depression. And so when we think about a kid that is scared, right, you know, you, you may, let's say your son or daughter is on their tablet, right? And they know that they're probably getting close to that screen time limit for the day. And you approach them, right? You're big, right? We're tall compared to kids, right? So you walk up to like a, a five or six-year-old as an adult, and they're going to be a little scared, right? They're going to feel that fear, even even if you're not, you know, coming in aggressive. Like, it could just be you walking over. That's scary. I mean, think about that. Somebody two to three times the size of you just walking over to you, I'm going to be like, oh, dang, man. Like, what, what did I do? And so, you know, we, we think about that, and it's like, well, no wonder they're irritable when you ask for it. It's like initially that's going to be their gut reaction. They're going to be like, Dad, no, I don't, I don't want to give it up right now. It's like, no, I don't want to, or, or anger and rage and aggression. I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm keeping it. You're like, okay, <laughs> it's go time. Start cracking the knuckles. And then they're really scared. Right? See, Dan's doing it. I know he's a knuckle cracker. He's like, all right, let's, let's do it then. You want, you want to wrestle? But yeah, I'm, I'm the guy that's like, all right, I'm counting to three. <laughs> right. Like, and it better be in my hands. <laughs> But yeah, so, you know, when we think about this, Dan, and, you know, I know that um, you've probably experienced some of this, both biological and foster children and, you know, just people in general, because uh, <laughs> it applies to them as well. Um, you know, how have you seen this kind of play out in your life or, or does this kind of hit home for you? Or are you like, dang, I never realized that, you know, we may see our daughter be uh, antisocial. And we didn't know that maybe she was feeling fear. Is there anything like that that you've ever had in your life that, um, you know, you've kind of seen this play out? Absolutely. Yeah. With our foster daughter, she, um, she's really attached to my wife, Jessica. So she always wants to be touching her. And I think it's a lot of like separation anxiety. Sorry. I think it's a lot of uh, like separation anxiety um, because she doesn't want to be alone, you know, but when I enter the picture, especially when we first got her, um, there was not a lot of males in her life, and any of the males were kind of scary. So when she came to us, she was didn't want anything to do with me. And it was really hard because I was just like, I'm this nice guy, you know, I'm you know, I'm here, I'm loving, I'm caring, I'm giving you snacks, I'm wanting to play with you. Um and I never really thought about it until later on. I was like, she's scared of me. She's afraid because of our whole life. She only knows women. And she's also two and a half. I'm this six foot tall, 250 pound lug. <laughs> and she's this tiny little human. Um, and I'm like, come here. Come and let me hold you. Give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah. what I was doing with, with, with her. And it, it's the small little, like tiny things like that, that we don't recognize. And it makes a huge impact and a huge, la like a lasting impact. Um, and I had to work with her. 
Um, I remember the first time I ever had to take out her hair. We had to, you know, it's not, it's something I've never done before. You know, I've never taken out Rose before. And so it was definitely something new and it took a lot longer than it should have. But we bonded in that moment. It was a bonding moment for us. Yeah. And that's the most important thing, right? So when we see fear and pain and things like that, especially with children that come in our home with trauma uh, through the foster care system, a lot of times they're going to come in with zero trust for you and your family. And just like you said, she didn't have another male influence or another male in her life that she trusted. And so that is huge, building that trust. And again, what the book is all about, connection. You said it right there. When you took her hair down, you connected. And that's just, you know, that's what this is all about, right? When we talk about difficult behaviors, um, sure, we are the parent, right? We're the people that are in charge. And no, you're not going to disrespect me. You're going to do what I say. That's, that's kind of the mentality of it. That's how maybe a lot of us were parented. And so we have to shift that thinking. Because yes, we are in charge. Yes, we are probably in control. But the most important thing is that we need to stay regulated and we need to stay connected. And look, I will be the first to admit I am not great at this. <laughs> I am really not. And Dan, any, any admit you want to make an admittance to this as well? You've been on a FaceTime call with me many a times. <laughs> I don't have to say anything else. Yeah, we are not great. You know, I mean, I have really great moments where I'm like, yeah. I'll look at Emily and I'm like, did you see what I did there? I did really good <laughs> connecting, huh? And, you know, she's, she's yeah, like, great connecting there, Josh. She's like, good job. Throwing water balloons at his head is not connecting. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, you know, it, it's difficult. And I think especially for men, especially for the foster dads and the other dads out there, um, this is hard for us. I'll be straight up honest. It is hard to bend down to your child's level when they're being difficult. Take a knee, just lightly tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, what do you need? That's hard, right? Especially if they've just thrown something at you, if they've hit you, if they've, you know, colored all over the wall, if they threw their food everywhere. That is hard to, to humble yourself, to stay regulated, to take a deep breath and internally say, I am still in control of the situation and to bend down to their level, meet them where they are. That's what it's all about. And parent yeah, I've, that I've found that I found that really works for us. Um, and I like, I'll be honest, like we're always going to fall short as like, we're never going to meet the mark. Right, Josh, we're just not going to meet the mark, nope. but we're going to try our darn best to, to do what we can. And I know that when I, when I'm getting upset at our foster daughter, I'm like, I can't take this anymore. I always sometimes try to remember like, okay, get down and say, hey, I understand you're upset. I, I recognize that. I validate that you're upset. Can you tell me why you're upset? And let's try to talk through this. You know, she's four and a half, so I have to do it more in kids' term. But that's what you're really saying, is you're saying, I want to validate you. I love you. I understand you're hurting. I understand you're upset. Even though it's something silly like, I want fruit snacks. And I say, you've already had six packs of fruit snacks in the past hour. <laughs> right. And she says, I want fruit snacks every second for 10 minutes straight. <laughs> it's tough. It's very difficult. I understand, sweetie. 
I get it. You want fruit snacks. But really what you're saying is you want me to be with you and to connect with you. Yeah. And so you said a big thing there. And one of the things is, you know, if they're saying they want fruit snacks for 10 minutes straight, they don't want fruit snacks. <laughs> I mean, they may they may think that they want the fruit snacks, but you're right. That you're absolutely right. They want connection. And and children crave connection. They really do. That's why when anything happens in a child's life, you know, when they're when they're little or even when they grow up or even now, like I'm 30 years old and I still will, you know, call my parents and tell them something exciting that happened because I want them to be a part of it, right? I want them to feel connected with me. I want to feel connected with them. And so, you know, we're going to dive right into this acronym really quick. Um, And the author of this book, Karen Purvis, again, she is phenomenal when it comes to anything connected parenting, anything about the brain. Um, Go search some of her videos on YouTube. I'm going to make sure that I drop two specifically uh, down in our show notes. The first one being going over this ideal acronym and what it means. She does a way better job than I do, but I'm going to give a brief overview of it. And then another one talking about parenting children with aggression, because we, you know, I talked about getting down to their level, touching them on the shoulder, like using kind words and things like that to them, being regulated. Um, That's going to go over a little bit of that as well. And so I'm going to make sure to drop those in the show notes. But I think right now, let's go over this acronym. And it's IDEAL, I-D-E-A-L. And that stands for Immediate, Direct, Efficient, Action-Based, and Leveled Behavior. So we are going to use this acronym any time that discipline is needed, because, you know, this is important. We talk immediate, direct, efficient, action-based, level behavior. We need all of these things when we're dealing with disciplining a child, especially if we want to stay connected. So one of the things that she talked about in the video is being immediate with it, right? So within just a few seconds of something happening, let's say a child throws something again, or a child hits you, or they start doing something that you don't want them to do, it's important to immediately get down on their level. And then with the next one, direct, being very direct in how you speak with them. And so, yeah, Dan, you just said it earlier about getting down to their level, and it is very difficult. And honestly, this is hard. This is probably one of the hardest parts of all this is being immediate and direct in your approach to them. I mean, you're you're absolutely right because as males and dads most of the time, you want them to know that, you know, I'm in charge and I like what I say goes and this is what's going to be it. And instead you're stopping and getting on their level and getting down with them. Yeah, and the goal being giving them a voice right? Because they want connection. They also deserve to have their voice heard. They, you know, and if we're talking little ones, you know, if we're talking toddlers, even up to, you know, younger school age, they're not going to know what they really want, right? Like you were just talking to your foster daughter wanted fruit snacks. She probably didn't want fruit snacks, right? She probably wanted something else, but she just didn't know. Maybe she was just saying she was hungry and that was the best option or the only option that she knows of, you know, who knows what it was. Um, but that's how it happens a lot of the times. And so immediate being right away. And the thing with direct, another thing is that your full attention is directed towards that child. 
that is what that really means, right? It's not, you know, dad's sitting over watching the game on the on the couch and the kid does something and goes, hey, stop doing that. That's not, I mean, I'm guilty of that. But like, that's not, when we talk ideal, that is not the ideal approach. And it's really important to be direct, to get down on their level, to even, you know, grab both of their hands, say, hey, give me your hands. And to, we talk about connection, to feel that connection right then and there. And to say, hey, what do you need? That's hard, right? It's hard to ask a kid that. Again, it's really difficult. And so the next one, being efficient. And so the biggest thing here and the example that uh, Karen Purvis gives, I'm not going to take anything away from that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let her say that in the video. Please go watch the video. It's in the show notes. It's only like five minutes long. But she talks about bringing just a massive weapon to a problem that's like the size of a mosquito. It's like you, you just don't need that, right? Like you don't need to attack this full house if it's just like one little piece of it that is messed up, right? So we need to make sure that we are efficient in how we attack this discipline, right? If it's, you know, something small that they're, you know, using markers and they're not allowed to use markers, that we're not acting like they are painting the whole house a different color with the things that they have, right? It's not that. It's they have markers and they're not supposed to have markers. And so you need to stick with that. And so the next part of this is action-based. So um, her example, again, uh, was about markers, and that's why I used that one. But she says, you know, let's say your child has a marker and she's coloring with it and she's not supposed to be coloring with that. You give an action-based approach, right? You've already got down to that level. You've already talked. And, you know, maybe, maybe she's dysregulated. She's a little off. She's irritable. She's fearful of you, right? She may be angry or in a little bit of rage. But you give choices, right? You give options. And this is one thing that I've noticed with our little ones has been huge. I mean, little ones. I mean, my five-month-old, I can't really give him options. It's like, dude, you're going to bed. Like, I, I swaddled you up. You can't do anything. Our three-year-old, uh, he needs options, and he loves to make choices. And he doesn't always make the best choice. But what I always tell him is, you know, if he makes a bad choice to say, look, Jackson, dad is always here to help you make good choices. I always, I constantly remind him of that because when he's 25 and he doesn't know what to do with his health insurance or what job to pick, I want him to call me and say, dad, you, you always said that you're here to help me with choices. I, I, I need help with this because I don't understand. Like that's, that, that just made me like get a little bit emotional inside just talking about that because connected parenting is such a long game. We don't do this for the immediate here and now result. We do this for the long term, right? And especially when we talk uh, children with trauma, foster children, adopted children, it is so difficult sometimes as soon as they are in your care to kind of break through a lot of that trauma. And, and you may never, right? You may never see the result of that. You may do this connected parenting approach for years, and never see an outcome that is remotely what you think it should look like. There may be not a whole lot of connection while they're in your care, but it is important to be strong in that and to know that your effort is not going wasted. And so well, and that you made all the effort to be connected. And that's, that's huge. Like if you don't make an effort, you're never going to get an opportunity to be connected with them. Um, Instead of just saying, I'm going to 
just be the parent that they need to be, you know, you need to connect with them, be a part of their life with them, show them that they mean something and they're not just a kid and you know that they're important. Right. Exactly. When we talk action based again, talking about those choices and giving the marker example, if you don't want them to have the marker, you say, look, I'm going to give you two choices. You can either use colored pencils or you can use crayons, but we can't use the markers. Right. And that still is difficult. I'm not saying that it's going to be easy and they're going to say, you know, right away, I would love to use the crayons. Like, thanks so much, dad, for giving me options. You're the best. Like that happens probably zero times out of a hundred. But, but again, it is important to do this, to stay connected with your children. And then to kind of, to even this all out is leveled behavior and making sure that you stick all of this discipline and everything around it, it's to the behavior. It's not towards the child, right? This is not something that, you know, oh, you're, you're wrong or you're angry or, you know, you this and that, and you're not pointing fingers at the child. It's all around whatever the behavior is, right? And if you can wrap things around that, uh, and use this whole ideal approach in how you discipline, you're going to see a lot more connection uh, between you and your child. And one more thing I want to say about it is end every discipline with connection, with a reconnection, right? You need to, if if you're going to be the one coming in hot and saying that, hey, you, you can't be doing this right now. I need you to do this. You need to make sure at the end of that you're reconnecting. And again, I do not always do great at this. We fall short, but it is important to know, right? The knowledge is power in this and educating ourselves in these different strategies is so important when we talk parenting as a whole, but, you know, especially when we talk with children that are in foster care. So I love that you said that, Josh, about the disciplining, you know, with our biological, we always did time out. And then something that we learned in our pre-placement classes that really stuck with us was time in. And that's more of like taking a moment to stop. We're going to have a time in and we're going to sit down with us and we're going to just, we're going to breathe. We're going to go through our breathing kind of not treatment, but breathing exercises. And then um, we're still allowed to use the time. It's not like we're not allowed to use the time out, but we, that's a one way that we can stop the situation, bring it down settle down or we when we use our timeout which is what i usually go to most of the time because you know i love it. you're going to timeout <laughs> right. um we always stick with you know the timeout time for an age so she's 4 you're going to get 4 minutes um but every single time after she's done with timeout i bring it to me there's tears there's always tears and they're like it's the worst thing in the world but it's really not they're just sitting in a chair we always explain why and get down and connect with them. I get down on her level on my hands, on my hands and knees, you know, get down with her and say, this is the reason why we were put into timeout. Do you understand that? Are we going to do that again? You know, that's where being level headed and, you know, being direct, having that connection with them is so important. Yeah. And another big thing before that, and again, this is part of the ideal approach is offering compromises. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit with the marker situation, but even that, you know, and one thing, again, we do with our three-year-old is he will be reading his book for bedtime and it, it never fails every single night. 
kind of a compromise. Like he, he will ask for that after we've said, all right, buddy, we're done reading our book. We need to go to bed. He'll say, can I have a compromise? I'm like, all right, you want to compromise? What do you want? He goes, can I have one more minute? And usually he, pro- he tries to ask for this like a few times after. And it's like, no, buddy. But usually the first compromise, we're like, okay, you can have one more minute. But after that, we are going right to bed. Okay. And he makes sure he understands and we're there. And again, connecting, making sure that he's a part of this decision making because my end goal is to get him to bed at a reasonable time. Right. And, you know, if I have to compromise one minute of that to say, hey, you know what? You can read your book for another minute. That gave him a little bit of power in that. He's like, oh, okay. Well, I, you know, he, he saw what I needed and he gave it to me. Like, great. And, he, and you listened to him, you heard him. That's, that's huge. The fact that a child can feel heard is half the, like how many times when you were a kid, you're like, they're just not listening to me. They're not hearing me. I said that all the time. Yep. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing there too, is like, you know, again, we talked from the book talking about external and internal behaviors. A lot of times you just said, you know, externally, we're like, you're not listening to me. Kids say that internally as well. You know, when they feel that pain of not being heard, when they feel that pain of not having voice. And when we talk children that are in foster care and even especially older ones, they may have never had a voice. They may have never been given options. And so when you first start trying some of these things, it is going to be difficult because you're talking, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 years of someone that hasn't really had a voice and been listened to. And you're going to, you know, try to step in and give them a voice and let them be heard. They're not going to know what to do with that. It's going to be very difficult. And so you hit the nail on the head right there, Dan. I mean, giving them a voice in this. And discipline is not always this dictatorship of you're going to do exactly what I say when I say it, and you're going to like it, and you're not going to cry about it. Kids are going to cry. They have so many emotions. Jackson cries on a daily basis. Judah cries because he's hungry, and he's five months old, and he doesn't know what else to do. But, My kids just cry because they're girls. Exactly. <laughs> they just keep. They just cry because they're just emotional. Like I drew this picture of a strawberry, and she came in and she erased it off the dry erase board, and I'm going to cry in the corner for 30 minutes. <laughs> While the other one goes, na 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 na, you're crying. <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm going to literally, I'm just going to walk out. I'm just done. <laughs> That's got to be so difficult, especially having two little girls that are close to the same age where one can definitely take advantage of the age difference a little bit. Uh, And the other one can then accuse the older one of things that the older one may not have done. And you're going to believe her. It's all the time. I can't imagine some of that. Yeah. Our biological boys are two and a half years apart. And, you know, I know when they get older, there's going to be a lot of fighting, a lot of going back and forth. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to deal with. Definitely a different challenge than girls, I'm sure. But uh, I, I imagine that at the base level, it's still the same. I cannot wait for that phone call. Like, hey, I need you to come over right now because <laughs> I can't take these dudes anymore. Exactly. Yeah. They're going to be beating me up when they're older. So. Uncle Dan's going to have to come and regulate. <laughs> right. I'll play regulators when you come in. 
<laughs> anyway, all right. So we've talked about some specific examples and kind of, you know, things that we've done uh, as far as parenting goes. And, you know, this last thing I wanted to go through is a question, actually, that somebody had in our Flexible Fatherhood group. And, uh, you know, early on when we started this podcast, I asked the question, you know, what are some things that you all want to hear? And Nick dropped in this, and I will read it. It says, I would love to hear how others are dealing with destructive behavior, i.e. damaging walls, screens, toys, clothes, siblings belonging, etc. So, Nick, I want to say if you're listening, thank you so much uh, for that question. Uh, that is so relevant to our topic of difficult behaviors today. And again, we talk about fear and pain and how those things are externalized because when we talk destructive behavior, that's external right? You can actually see that. You can see if you have a teenager that you're fostering and they're angry and they punch a hole in the wall. Like that's something that you see. That's something that you feel. That's something that uh, you should probably go to Home Depot with them and pick up a patch I'm kit say fix. And, and fix it with <laughs> them. Uh, I've always said that that's oh, what connection. That's connection right there. Exactly. And that's what I've always said that I'm going to do is like, you know, I, I say it now, but I'm always big and bad before I'm like, Yep, I'm going to have some patch kits ready to go. And if this ever happens, I'm going to make sure we patch it up together. Like in the moment, it's probably not going to be that like, well, come over here, boy. We're going to patch this thing up together. And I'm going to tell you some stories about my childhood. Like that's not how it's going to be. But, you know, again, focusing on that connection. Yeah, we're going to do it together. You broke something. And guess what? While we're fixing it, we're going to talk about some other strategies, right? Because that's not healthy. It's not healthy to externalize your anger into punching a hole in something. It's just not what you should do. So yeah, Nick, um, I know exactly how you feel about with damages and things getting broken. Um, I can't remember for sure if we talked about this before in the beginning, but my mother bought like, like an iPad for my foster daughter when we first got her. And, um, I literally come out of the bedroom and she's jumping up and down on the screen. And I'm like, what are you doing? I didn't know how to react at first. Um, the next morning I find the iPad behind the dog cage shattered. And so I was just frustrated. I was mad. I'm like, my mom just spent however much money was on a brand new iPad and you shattered it and you don't even care. And I'm sitting here like, how disrespectful is this little kid going to be? Now, understanding that she was not used to having people interact with her. A lot of the time she was just left alone in a room. This little girl would, would, would trip and fall and like smack her head and she wouldn't even cry because there was no reason to cry because no one would come. But now the fact that we're, we're trying to get down on her level, we're saying, listen, I understand that you, you need this attention. It's all it is, is she's asking for attention. We recognize that now, and we're saying, we're here for you. Let's, like, I'm right here. We don't need to step on this iPad. We don't need to jump on the iPad. I understand that it might seem fun in the moment because it's something new, but here is the reason now you don't have one like your sister. So now you don't have something to play on like your sister because you decided to break it. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about this a little earlier and Dan, you kind of said it again where it's, Hey, I want attention or 
again, you know, when we talk maybe some of these more aggressive behaviors, you know, I think, you know, in, in our scenarios, we still have some younger kids. And so when we start talking children that are, you know, maybe 10, 11, 12, 13, getting into that age where this rage and aggression and destructive behaviors can be a little bit more uh, serious, you know, there may be things that maybe you are, um, maybe there's a threat to your biological children or your dogs or your cats or your wife or your husband or whatever it may be. Like those are real things that happen. And so, you know, again, the reason and where all of this starts, and we talked about it in the beginning is fear or pain, right? Externalized behaviors, anger, rage, aggression, they're right there. And those are a cause of the fear and pain. So number one, and this is going to take some time, and this is going to have to happen after the fact. And again, you know, when a lot of children in foster care come through our homes, we don't know everything. We, we don't know. We, we know what's in a little packet. And a lot of times what's in that packet is so nondescript that you just like find stuff out and you're like, oh, oh. Um, okay. Well, does, did you want to talk about that? Or I was like, Oh no, it's fine. It's like, Oh, all right. Cool. (laughs) It happens. You know, Dan, I'm sure you experienced it. I experienced it. And you know, we're both, we both only have had one placement and we hear about it all the time. And you know, the calls that you get sometimes are like, yeah, it's just like a normal, um, you know, normal six year old. No, nothing. And you're like, Okay. Yeah. Right. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like, and, and not just like you said, nothing's wrong with them and you're only going to have them for two weeks. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Like they have no trauma of any, any type. And that's just not the case. Every, every child has trauma, especially those in foster care. And so especially have to be, you know, parented by Dan or I, like they, they're just going to have trauma because of that. <laughs> it's, just, it's just how it's going to be. <laughs> um, but no. So Nick, to your question, the thing that you have to find out, and it's difficult, again, you got to figure out where that fear and pain is coming from. You may have to set some controls up to make sure that those things are happening. Maybe, maybe there are specific triggers. Maybe it's a smell. Maybe it's a specific room. Maybe it's a specific time of day or a holiday. Um, you, you know, you, you have to really dive into those things and it's not easy, right? It's not just a, you know, a 10 piece puzzle with all the pieces outlined and a little cheat sheet. No, we're talking like a thousand piece puzzle and you know, you got to do it 10 pieces a day. Like it, it takes a while to do, right? You're not mm-hmm. going to figure this out overnight. And so when you're talking about damaging walls or screens or toys or things like that, um, you know, it's important to, again, we talk the ideal approach and discipline and getting down to their level and making sure that their voice is heard and that they can trust you because that's a big thing too. Usually children will act out if there's no trust. They're fear, fearful of you uh, or something like that. And so you have to make sure that they know that you're going to do everything in your power to make sure that they are safe. And ex- describing to them, hey, this is a safe place and I'm not going to let anyone come in here and punch holes in your wall. 
So I can't let you punch holes in your wall because this is a safe place. And just using that script, it's a script that we learned in placement training and something that is really valid and efficient and you can use it at any time. So that's, that's where I would start honestly is with that safety script and it may seem dumb, right? You're going to say it and you're going to be like, that didn't make any sense. And so the, the, the example that I just used, or let's use the toy example, right? Maybe you have a, a child, maybe you have a seven-year-old biological child and a nine-year-old foster child, and the nine-year-old goes to your seven-year-old's toys, and maybe they have dinosaurs and ripping the dinosaurs' heads off, right? Just being destructive. You can go and get down on his level immediately, directly, and efficiently and explain to him, hey, this is a safe place, and I'm not going to let anyone break your toys so I can't let you break anyone else's toys because this is a safe place. And using that script, seriously, it, it may feel weird and it may feel redundant, but making sure and, and to reiterate safety is so important for a child that is fearful. And Nick, you know, you're not alone in this, and we really appreciate you um, putting the question in because it's so important that we work together as a community. Um, but you're not alone in this. We've all dealt with this in many different types of situations, um, usually in younger chil children, um, not so much on the older side. Um, but you're not alone, and we're here for you. So absolutely. Thanks so much for that question, Nick. Fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's so important. And one of the things I'm going to say as well is that I'm going to have another video attached down in the show notes. It's uh, Karen Purvis, again, talking about rage and aggression and how to deal with it. And she talks about these four different levels that a child is showing, you know, all the way from the, the first level really being like, no, I'm not going to do that you know, escalated to this level four, which she says most children are not ever going to be to a level four unless they have severe trauma or they had trauma while they were still in the womb. Maybe there's some type of alcohol or drugs um, that they have, you know, that they're, they've been addicted to since birth. And so, you know, it's going to be really important to watch that video. And uh, for anybody that's listening to this, please go watch that. Watch both videos that we have linked down below. Um, you know, I think they're so important. And again, they're by Karen Purvis, who also wrote this book, The Connected Child, that Dan and I are reading together, and hopefully all of you are reading together. We're just, yeah, we're just so excited to see where our growth as foster dads come from now until the future. Because it's only going to go up if we're doing this together. And so with this book, like we said in the beginning, if you don't have a copy of it and want a copy of it, please reach out to us. We will take care of it and we will mail it to you or we'll get you the audio or the audio book, whatever you need. We want to equip you with the right tools and the right places and the knowledge that you need to succeed with connecting with your child. Absolutely. And so I think we're going to go ahead and close this podcast out today. And before we do, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has listened to these episodes so far. You know, we're five episodes in and we already have over 150 listens to our podcast. We got hundreds of people follow us, following us on Facebook. And Dan and I are truly so thankful for the support. You know, we see you guys showing love to us and, uh, you know, we're really trying to show this back. So 
Um, you know, make sure that you're getting connected with us if you're not. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to throw that thank you out there because I know that there's a lot of you out there that have taken the time out of your days to listen to Dan and I. And so thank you for that. And so today with difficult behaviors, look, difficult behaviors are tough. It's hard for any parent, especially dads. We talked about this, you know, this isn't how we were raised. And, you know, we were told to maybe shove our emotions down and not worry about them and not to feel feelings and things like that. And so when we talk about connection or anything like that, it's so foreign to us. We literally have to go learn about it because we might not have been taught about it as a child. And so a way to do this is to read The Connected Child again. Get this book if you don't have it. And so we talked about that today in a little excerpt in there about what children do when they feel fear and pain. We also talked about this ideal response and making sure that we are immediate, direct, efficient, action-based and leveled behavior and how we approach discipline. And then Dan and I walked through some specific examples in our life, and we went over some of the questions that we had in our Facebook group. So we're so thankful that you all have joined us today. Thanks for being here. And if you have not connected with us again, make sure you go and follow us on all of our social media. You can find us everywhere at Flexible Fatherhood or follow the link tree that we'll have listed down in the show notes as well. So thank you all for being here to talk about difficult behaviors, and we will talk to you next time. Take care, guys.